Father, we come this morning lifting up our prayers to you. We come with uh, requests, we come with needs, we come with desires, we come with our, our hurts, we come with our joys. But we place all of who we are in front of you this morning, knowing that you um, meet us with grace and gentleness and forgiveness and love, that, that you meet us where we are, not where we should be, um, that you um, love us right now, not a future version of ourselves. And so we worship you this morning. We, we bring our thanksgiving to you. We offer up our praise. And we ask that you would send your spirit, that he would fill up our hearts and fill up our community and fill up this um, room this morning, that uh, your power and presence would um, transform us, that um, through this um, service of worship, uh, we might come to know you and be known by you even more. And so we, we pray that you would send your spirit, that you would um, open up our eyes and direct our hearts toward your son. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see everyone. If you're like me, you like reading about yourself. Or at least, let me start that over. There's a lot of better ways to say that. At least, right, you're very interested when you get to a point in a certain text or article or, or story when you are spoken of. Um, I uh, am speaking at a retreat in about a month, and it's a, a pretty big group, like 600, 700 kids, and there's like 12 or so churches coming together. And so each church is sending out their own promo material. And so I Googled it to kind of see what the churches were sending out. And I found one of the bigger churches with this really nice graphic. That they, were, they were blasting everybody all over the internet. And it said, we can't wait to hear messages from Mike Sinner. I said, well, that's not my name. Um, but I was thinking, like, well, how can I run with this? How can I, how can I work with this? You know, I have to, like, build it into some kind of, like, uh, conversion, like, call, you know. So if you accept Christ, I'll commit to changing my name. And I'll go from Sinner to Skinner. And you can go from a sinner to, to a follower of Jesus as well. Um, so in my case, I, I often um, am doing a error control. Uh, <laughs> Sinner is a last name that's actually haunted me a little bit. When I went to college, I uh, was not supposed to get a credit card. And so obviously I got a credit card. Um, that's what you do when you turn 18 and your parents tell you not to do something. And the card came in the mail, said Mike Sinner on it. And I thought, if that's not a sign from God, <laughs> I just don't know what else could be. Um, possibly. So it's, it's back here. I don't know what I did this time, um, but I'll figure it out. Um, I say this because we have been studying the Apostles' Creed, which is an ancient statement of faith from the earliest Christians in the second century. Um, it was a, a kind of a summary of what they believed about God and about their faith. And we get now to the part in the Creed that talks about us. And so if, if you're like me, again, you're looking at it and you go, hey, that's us. Here, here we are right here. Um, and so we will look at what the creed has to say about the church this morning. Um, and it's interesting in and of itself that this creed, the Apostles' Creed, mentions the church. That it's a noteworthy enough belief, um, institution, part of God's plan, um, that it 
has a spot here in the Apostles' Creed. And so I'll read it um, together. We're coming to the end of our series on the Apostles' Creed. We'll have two more Sundays after this one. We'll do a sermon standalone on the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And then on the following week, we will start up a new sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount, which I'm super excited about. Um, But I've loved going through the Apostles' Creed. Uh, I'll read it for you, and then we'll kind of zone in on our phrase today. It goes like this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell the third day. He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. So we're now in the third section of the Creed. If you remember, it's a Trinitarian structure that the Creed follows. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we believe that God is triune, three persons and one God, one being, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Creed kind of evolves out of the baptismal formula that Jesus gave us. At the end of Matthew, he says, baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the creed follows that kind of structure. And we know it's used to teach people before their baptisms. Um, it was a, a baptismal kind of, this is the key truths of the, the, the faith. And, and so for the early Christians, when they would have recited the creed, it would have kind of been like a renewal of their baptismal vows um, that they made. Um, speaking of baptism, we are having a baptism coming up pretty soon here. And so uh, let me know if you've never been baptized and you are interested in that. Um, it will be a beautiful moment, beautiful Sunday. Uh, it'll be the week after Easter. So April 30, April 23rd, um, we will be having baptisms here. Um, so definitely um, let me know if you are interested. If you've got kiddos around that age, um, it might be time to have a conversation with them uh, if you need help. Um, in terms of like, what would I say to a kid? Um, talk to Jake. Uh, <laughs> he's an elder here. He has kids, so he's far more qualified than I am. Um, but uh, we, we would love to, uh, to get you in on that. Um, so we've got the creed. Um, we're now in the Holy Spirit section, the third person. Um, and it's very interesting. Last week, Zach uh, spoke about, I believe in the Holy Spirit, that phrase, the Holy Spirit's third person of God. He brings the power and the presence of God close to us in our lives. It's interesting we sang, right? No one can stand before the power and the presence of the great I am. That's like verbatim definitionally what we call the Holy Spirit. He brings that power into our lives. There's no sin, there's no evil that can stand in the presence of the Spirit working um, in our midst. Um, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and then immediately it bumps into the church. And there's a reason for this. This is intentional. There's a reason that the church falls under the work of the Holy Spirit. This is how it plays out in the Bible. This is how it plays out historically. The Holy Spirit comes and he's poured out onto those who are following Jesus and he forms them into community. And, and we've talked about this before at the church, um, how uh, some of the key passages about the church um, are you plural. When, so, so when Paul says, you are the temple of God, um, he's saying y'all are the temple He's saying the church is where the Holy Spirit dwells. Um, this, the community, that's, that's where the Holy Spirit moves and works. That's where he's active. That's his plan to reach the rest of the world. 
This is the, the locus. This is the location. This is the primary plan of God's interaction with the world. And so it's because of all of this that the Holy Spirit immediately leads the creed into the topic of the church. The church is that which is created by the Holy Spirit. The church is the first gift given to the world by the Holy Spirit. The church is, according to Scripture, where you will find the Holy Spirit most consistently, most faithfully. Um, in the, the creed, um, the original language is written in Greek. Uh, it's translated into Latin and used in Latin quite a bit early on. But in both of those languages, Greek and Latin, um, holy and saints are the same word. Um, so that can be confusing to us. You see this in the Bible, and it's the same thing. Um, so when the, the New Testament calls um, believers saints, which they do consistently. If you're a believer, New Testament says you're a saint. And so you tell that to your mom, you tell that to your spouse, okay? I don't know who you're talking to. I'm a saint. It's in the Bible. Um, but the word there is actually just holy ones. It just uses that adjective, holy, to describe um, the people who are of God. And so that creed, these, these two lines in the creed, watch the repetition, three lines, excuse me. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the holy ones. The Holy Spirit at work in the community of the holy ones. This is the Holy Spirit doing what he does, bringing God's power and presence, making things holy, primarily a group of people who have come together to worship and follow Christ. If you have a, scriptures, uh, a copy of the scriptures with you, open up with me to 1 Peter. If you don't, there's a black hardback underneath the seat around you. You're more than welcome to grab one of those. We'll be in 1 Peter chapter 2, actually. Um, if you're on one of the black hardbacks, it's page 1015. 1 Peter can be a little tricky to get to. It's toward the end of your Bible there. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, a kind of very famous foundational text about the church, about the identity and role of God's people. We'll pick it up in verse 9. Just, just two verses here. Verse 9 and 10, 1 Peter 2. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. A couple of things to point out about this passage. One is that almost every phrase here in the two verses we just read is a echo or a almost direct quote from popular phrases in the Old Testament that are primarily ascribed to Israel the nation Israel, um, God's people in the Old Testament. But notice now, it's now directly applied not to the people of Israel, but to the people of Christ, which includes both Israelites and Gentiles, you and I. It's now this group of people, the people who follow Jesus, whether they're circumcised or not, whether they're Jewish or Gentile, whether they're male or female, the people who follow Jesus together, it's them whom God has called from the very beginning for there to be a community on the earth that's chosen, for there to be a community that's a royal priesthood that, that brings the presence of God to others, that allows them to experience the presence of God, that's a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, a people who belong to him, a people who proclaim the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You see here, both the identity and the mission of the church. 
identity, people who have been called by God, people who are um, the sons and daughters of the Most High, the Father Almighty. And the vocation, the mission is to proclaim his excellencies. It's to go out into the world and spread the good news. It's to go out and keep heralding the message of the kingdom of God. It's here. God's life and blessing is here. Salvation is available. And it's the church's mission to go and do that. Now, when we use the word church, and, and when we find that word church in the scriptures, um, we've got to be careful that we have the right connotations going on in our mind. Um, so church comes from the Greek word ekklesia in the um, scriptures. And, and that word um, really just kind of simply means gathering or assembly. Um, what it doesn't mean is a building or a service, like an event, like a program. Um, unfortunately, kind of the way just language kind of works, that's kind of become the default use of the word church. Um, and I actually just learned this a couple of weeks ago. There, Martin Luther, one of the, the kind of key um, Protestant reformers, actually this was one of the things he tried to do really hard was get um, people to replace the word church with congregation because it had become so misused, he thought. Um, so, so you might say, thinking about that truth, right? Church is not something that you go to. And church isn't something you attend. It's something you are. The church is not a building. It's not a service on Sunday morning. The church is you and I. It's a gathering of people. And once we were not gathered, right? Once, once we were not a people. There was once a time where I had nothing to do with y'all. But now we have been brought together as a people. God's family. As I've grown in my faith, I've come to see more and more the importance of the church. I've come to see more and more the truth that's taught in Scripture, which is that it's in the church, it's in this community, it's in people praying together and forgiving one another and loving each other and sharing their resources and going out on mission together, knocking on doors, feeding people. It's, it's through that life together that God's Spirit is found. You see, I was kind of taught that I could find God's Spirit on my own with a couple of devotionals and a good podcast. I've come to find out that's kind of an empty promise. It's not to say that God doesn't work through those things. You might not get a taste of the Spirit there, but, but just experientially and, and from what I've learned through the Scriptures, it, it's, it's nowhere near what you might find if you commit yourself to a, a, a local expression of this global community, which is what we are. Little Sweetwater Christian Church. This little local expression of a, of a community that spans the globe. You, you notice in the text, right? It's, it's crossing all these boundaries. A holy nation, a chosen race. But check it. There's all kinds of races. There's all kinds of nationalities. The church is, is transnational. The church is global. Um, our citizenship to God's people supersedes the boundaries and definitions that we had previously. So before I'm an American, now I'm a Christian. Um, in the news this past week, there's a, a, a church bus um, in New Bronzeville, I believe, that was in an accident. About 13 people, I believe, again, were, were killed in the accident. And we were praying for them during the first service, and it just kind of struck me, right, that this seems like a natural reflex for us. Why? Because we've never met those people. But they're part of the family. And, and part of what, 
what you have experienced at, at Sweetwater, if, if you've been here for a while, hopefully, is that when you hurt, we hurt. When we rejoice, we rejoice. We're in this together. We're, we're sharing life together. And, and while it's not as intimate, it's the same thing in New Bronzeville's. When that bus crashes, our family took a loss. And we can kind of feel that. And we want to kind of take some of that burden for them. We want to do some of the lifting in terms of praying for that community. And, and right now, all over the world, on Sunday morning, Christians are worshiping. If you're like me, that gives me so much energy. Um, as a pastor, I can, I can kind of sometimes get zeroed in on our church. And so if I'm not careful, like the sum of all of God's actions in the world is about who we are and what we're doing. That's what a Christian church. Because this is just my nose to the grind, right? I've got to step back occasionally and be like, we're just this tiny little part. And, 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 and instead of trivializing our part, to me it makes it more exciting. To me it makes it firmer. To me it, it, it adds some momentum behind it. It's not just us doing this. We've got brothers and sisters in Afghanistan who are worshiping Jesus. We've got brothers and sisters in um, Australia, and, and we have brothers and sisters in China. We've got brothers and sisters all over the place. I hear there's some in Arkansas. Um, I mean, they're just, it's everywhere. And, and, and that's who we are. We're just a little expression of that. Um, but we are connected together. Um, the church, the community of God's evil is more than just mutual Facebook friends. It's more than just we happen to know and worship the same person, Jesus. It's no, we're actually a family. And, and the more you live into that, I think the more blessing you see. I think the more you experience God's promise to meet you there in the church, um, to, to work in and through the church. The church is it's plan A for the gospel going out into the world. And there's, there's no plan B. I mean, this is, this is God's redemptive plan to create a community of people who will be heralds of his message, who will go with power, with actions and deeds and words, and proclaim God's kingdom. And this is you and I. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. Here we are in the creed. The church, God's people. And who would have thought, right? I mean, look around the room. It's an odd assortment of people. I'm, I don't think there'd be another way, really, that the group of us would be in a room together, probably. I'm very thankful for that. Most of my closest friends, and people I've learned the most from, and, and the people I depend the most on, I've found through the church community. But I've found not because I chose them, not because I, I I was at you know a, a club and was like, hey, I want to be friends with you. I found because they worship the same God. I said, hey, you're in the family that I'm in. I want to get to know you. I want to help you. I want to work on any tensions we have. I want to talk through any disagreements. I want to, I want to, I want to commit to living life together. And there's a, a deep um, blessing, powerful blessing that's found there. And so the Spirit creates this church. The church is called holy, which makes sense because it's created by the Holy Spirit. It's where the Holy Spirit is working and moving. Um, now, the, the, the lines of the creed that are about the church are actually some of the more controversial lines in the creed um, because the creed seems to be saying things that are objectively false, that the church is holy. Um, so most people would say, well, I don't know what church you've been to. But when I go to churches, they're full of 
some pretty awful people. They make mistakes. And the church as, a, as an institution has kind of a track record of some bad things. You've got wars that we've committed in the name of God. You've got scandals, abuses of all kinds covered up. And then you just got your everyday problems and personality disagreements. And we go, how, how then are, are we a holy church? And, and the way to understand this, I think, is to really reframe what we think of when we think of the word holy. Um, normally, when we think of holy, I think most of us default to an idea of moral purity. So to be holy means to not make mistakes. And, and this is true. I mean, that, that definitely is a, a part of the semantic range, which is a fancy word just saying part of the, the possible meanings of that word. Um, but I think there's actually a, a definition that gets closer to the heart of what holy is going after, um, which would be something that's holy is something that God has come close to or God has brought close to himself. It's something that's now sacred because of God's involvement with it. So let me give you a couple of examples. The Holy Land. God gave the Israelites this promised land. It was called the Holy Land. We still use that term. Now let me ask you, if you know anything about Israel's history, show me the point in their history where they were morally pure, where they were not making horrible mistakes, where they were not involved in all kinds of things, where they had this peaceful, obedient history. It's not there. But yet we still say it's the Holy Land. Well, it's the Holy Land. Why is that? It's because more important than their moral imperfections was the fact that God was pleased for some reason to dwell there, to meet with his people there on that land. It was his presence that made it holy, more so than any kind of moral ability that these people had. Um, This is, I think, the, the proper way to view the church. The church is holy. We are saints. We are the holy ones, not because of our um, actions and abilities. It's because of God's presence in us. Now, moral purity is, I think, a byproduct of that. When God is active in our lives, if God is active in our community, I think we'll find ourselves bearing more fruit of the Spirit, putting off more works of the flesh, and growing in our ability to obey and follow the, the teachings of Christ. But that's not the, the primary reason we're holy. The primary reason is because the Holy Spirit's here. Um, one author says this, to say that the church is holy is not to claim for it or its members a moral purity that it obviously lacks, but rather to claim for it and its members the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, which in turn renders our lack of moral purity actually more tragic. The holiness of the church is both an affirmation about the presence of the Holy One and a call to be more faithful to what that presence demands. So to say with the creed that we believe uh, a holy church has been created, to say we believe this is where the Holy Spirit is at work, and that belief at the same time doesn't contradict our impurity, it challenges our impurity. It calls us to walk in greater obedience to the Spirit. An important point, um, thinking about the creed, is, is something that we talked about at the very beginning, which is the creed is very clear um, that our faith, our trust, is put in not certain ideas or certain um, positive statements about God or about faith, but actually in the person of God. 
So the creed is very clear. I believe in the Father. I believe in the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The creed does not say, I believe in the church. The creed says, I believe in the Spirit. And because of that, I acknowledge the importance, existence, identity, and mission of the church. It's the Spirit who is primary. It's the Spirit who defines and creates. It's the Spirit who we rely on, not, not ourselves. And that allows us, I think, to be honest about our mistakes. I think one of the, the, the worst things Christians have done is, is thought that our confessions could not be a good witness to the world. And so we've tried to hide our mistakes, thinking that surely if we were going to be able to talk to the world about God, we would need to have this kind of united front as people who don't make mistakes. I actually think God works the opposite way most of the time. I think it's usually in our confession of our mistakes. When people see us experiencing the love of God and the forgiveness of God, that they then understand the forgiveness that can be available to them. I actually think the church's mission in the world globally might be better if like a group of, of leaders, Pope Frank got together with some people and, and they went out and issued an apology to the world. Said, hey, look, we were wrong. We're sorry about this. We're sorry about this. We're sorry about this. We're sorry about this. We're trying to do better. I think, I think that would speak a, a world of difference um, to, to, to the world around us. Um, I don't think it's our imperfections um, that hinder our witness. I think actually they amplify the power of God in our midst. Um, and, and amplify our mission and its effectiveness. The Creed also says the church is Catholic. Now, we've got to be clear here. Um, the Creed's not saying the church is Roman Catholic. This is before, this is written before the Roman Catholic Church existed. Um, so it's lowercase c, Catholic, which is a word that kind of means universal, uh, uh, attaining to all. The idea here behind the church being Catholic is that there's one church, um, that the church is united around the whole world. Even throughout history, it's one group of people. In a kind of spiritual, unique way, we're now even part of the family of the saints of old, the martyrs and the people who lived before us. They're in God's presence singing the praises of God, and we join them in their praise. When we, when we sing, when we have worship service, we're not starting worship, right? We're joining worship. The scripture said, all times, all of the world, all of creation, and God's people are singing to the Father, the heart of heaven at the throne. And so when you and I gather and we, we start to strum a guitar and start to sing, sing some phrases, we're not creating something. We're just adding our voices to a group that, that we have been called into, that we find ourselves belonging to. It's the Catholic Church. There's, there's one. Um, it's bigger than denominations. It's bigger than any kind of divisions. It crosses national boundaries. It crosses political boundaries. It crosses opinions on, on various things. It crosses denominations. There's, there's one church. Um, the divisions that you see in the church, I think, are usually and largely something we might need to apologize for. I mean, the fact that you've got so many divisions, and they can be so contentious to each other. It's something that I think flies in the face of Jesus' desire for his church to be united. So you get this, again, kind of a fancy word, ecumenicism, which is simply a desire to unite with people of other denominations. A desire to not be like, look, our church, our, our, our beliefs, our denomination, our tradition, whatever it is, 
is the only one. Everyone else needs to come over to our table or we're just going to ignore them. It's saying, no, God's table's big. And I don't happen to be a Roman Catholic, but some of the best pieces on prayer I've ever read have been written by Roman Catholics. And I, I'm not Eastern Orthodox, can't pull the beard off. Um, but most of my theology is actually influenced by the Eastern Orthodox Church. In fact, I mean, if you were to look at just personally my influences, it maybe would be surprisingly limited to the context that I live in. Um, but I think that is practicing out this Catholic identity of the church. It's one church. Even though there are differences and disagreements, um, we are united as one. The Holy Catholic Church and then the communion of saints. This word communion means fellowship. He's talking together now uh, about the, the life lived together that the, the congregation shares, God's people share. This creed might actually be referring to, some suggest um, that it was the monastic movement or the monks um, that put this phrase communion of the saints uh, into the creed um, as a kind of a way to challenge the church to go back to what we saw in Acts, where in Acts they're all sharing all their goods together. And over time, the church got more institutional, more attached to the empire, and you had monks who would move out into the desert, live a more pure life, and they would share everything. And so people hypothesized that this was their contribution to try to remind the church that what it means to be a church is to share, to live life together. And Acts, they're giving all their stuff in this kind of big pot in the middle and just taking care of everybody. But it applies to, I think, so much more, right, than, than just our stuff, to our emotional um, capacities, to our, our, our time, um, our skills. So, so to, to be in the communion of saints means that, that we, we give our time to one another. We give our resources to one another. We give our forgiveness to one another. We give our vulnerability to one another. We allow the other to hurt us. We put ourselves on the line. We give our money to the others. We support. Uh, one of the things I'm, I'm proudest of of our church is um, that I think we have, um, through the grace of the Spirit, been able to embody this kind of family commitment to one another. Where if, if you're hurting, we're hurting. And if you're happy, we're happy. Um, but no one gets to cry on their own on the side of the room. No one, no one has a problem on their own. Someone, someone's got a problem. We've all got a problem. And we'll all step in and we'll, we'll fix it. We'll help. We'll carry that, that burden. I think most of us in the room probably can attest to a time where this, this was true, where we experienced the, the love of the church in this way. So this is um, the, the, the community of people that's been created by the Holy Spirit. And this is why we gather. This is why um, we do church. This is why I do church, um, because I believe this is where the Spirit works. I believe this is how the Spirit works through us. And I believe there's, there's such a big mission. There's such a big task ahead of us that we need each other's help. We need each other's wisdom. We need each other's resources. I've gotten to the point now where Almost a third of my life now, I've been a pastor. I've been focused on the church here. Um, and 
for me, I, I kind of walked into the knowledge of the beauty of the church. You know, sometimes orthopraxy comes before with the doxy, which means you, you live out something first, and then you understand it. Sometimes you understand it first, and then you start to live it, right? Okay, I pray like this, and then you go and you pray like that. But sometimes you just are doing something, and you realize why it makes sense. And that's how the church was for me. I thought it was kind of optional until uh, some people said, hey, we'll pay you some money to preach. I was like, okay. And I started preaching. Started getting to know people better. Started to pour into them, have them pour into my life. And then I was looking at the scriptures, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is everywhere. And it's, it's true. It's so beautiful, and it's so, it's so powerful. I mean, Easter's coming up, and so Easter is um, the... the the biggest window of the year for the church, at least in our context, to reach out to others. Um, When you hear words around here, out of my mouth at least, like grow uh, or or reach out or multiply, um, that is me saying I want more people sitting here. So don't mistake me. I think the mission back there on that wall to make disciple-making disciples means these chairs get filled up. The, the key here, though, is it's not just because I, I want people sitting in the chairs. And it's not just because we need a bigger offering plate. And it's not just because um, right, we'll build up our egos if we have services with bigger people. It's because, one, it's a direct result of us being faithful in our mission. We see people get baptized, come into the family. And two, it allows us to keep building momentum and keep reaching out to the world. A church starts to die when they start to focus on themselves. When their preferences, when their comfort, when their existence, when our services are the main thing that we do, or the main thing we spend our resources on, the main thing we focus on. Churches thrive, and this thrives when we are pointed that way. When we are praying over people that we know, when we are inviting them to, to church and to events, and, and more than inviting them, when we are investing in them, when we are um, loving them like we love our, our church family, even um, while they're not here, while they're not uh, part of, of the group. And so as Easter comes up, I, I, um, as we think about the church, I, I just would like to implore you to, to be in prayer. Um, you know, if you ask someone to come to church, something I do a lot, your statistics of getting a yes are the highest they'll ever be. Um, so, so around Easter time, I mail out letters, I mail about 20 letters or so. Hey, I just want to personally invite you to join us for Easter. And most of the folks join us. A lot of them are just people who come for Easter, which is it's fine for me. Um, but I wonder if that's something you could do, or if... if if you just send some emails or make some phone calls from that family member, that neighbor. Um, it's, 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 it's not a project. It's not a brand-building exercise. It's a, we've found life here. And we truly believe this is what the Holy Spirit has created and is involved with. And we want you to come and find life with us as well. To fail to do that, to become just concerned with ourselves, um, I think it's to start to collapse in on ourselves. It's to, to lose the, the very heart of what it means to be God's people. It means to be 
sent out, um, even as we gather. There's this, this paradox to it. As the creed says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints. I know that I believe that, celebrate it. So I ask this morning, do you? Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for all of the love that you have given us. We thank you for um, the existence of the church. Uh, we thank you for the promises that you've given us in the church, even when the church can be a mess and can make mistakes. And, and if we're honest, can be really painful sometimes. It's not glossing over some of the abuse that's taken place under the, 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 the false label of spirituality or bad leadership. But, Father, we pray that, that our mistakes wouldn't drive us away from your intentions, but would actually drive us toward your intentions to reform the church, to build the church up, to get it closer to your heart. I pray that um, you would increase our capacity to, to feel the spiritual union we have with our brothers and sisters, to, to carry their burdens and, and to rejoice with their victories and joys. I pray that you would empower with your Holy Spirit our local congregation, Sweetwater Christian Church, to be a place where you are active and at work producing fruit and to be a community where you are engaging with the world around us, creating more disciples, baptizing people into your community. Once we were not a people, but now we are people. And for that, we give you thanks. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But all God's people this morning prayed, saying, Amen.